You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, hey, everybody. It's 2018. Happy New Year. Happy fucking New Year. My name is Alex. It is time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How the hell is everybody? Oh, God. It was normally cold out today. I dressed in my flannels and I got my layers on. I walked outside and I was like, I don't need it. This is awesome. This is normal. I'm not cringing. I'm not getting sick and dying just from standing outside my door. Uh, So, yeah, we're we're off to a great start. Eight years into the the, uh, eight eight days into the new year. And uh, I took a little bit of a break on uh, eight years. It, eight years of the with new this day. cold, with this fucking cold, it felt like eight years. Uh, but uh, we took a little bit of a break on American Wine. We were gone for the holiday, and uh, we're back now. And um, my first guest of the year, thank you for joining us. Uh, returning from October is uh, Miss Erin Elise Accomando of hey. Elsie Binks. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Uh, and also here is Elsie uh, Binks's manager, Kevin Wesley Williams. Hey. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, good. But, thanks for being here, you guys. Uh, I want to start off, uh, Aaron. you had a birthday last week. Uh, I, I want, did. want to hear about that. How'd that go? You know, I'm somebody who always has to work on my birthday, and by work, I mean be on stage, because ah. it's not, I mean, EBX isn't work, but the other the other stuff is work, mm-hmm. and I always, always, always end up on stage, and last year was the first year I wasn't, and uh, that was lovely, and so this year, it was super low-key. You worked on your birthday. No, I didn't. Yeah. Well, we had rehearsal. That's work. That wasn't work. Listen, if I can go anywhere in sweatpants with no makeup on, that's not work. <laughs> so rehearsal isn't work. Well, and you guys played a gig the day after that anyway, we right? We did. So, yeah. And that was that was a great birthday present in itself, mm-hmm. honestly. That was a really, really cool gig, Machine Shop. And uh, right. yeah, so I, I had a small birthday party Wednesday night, and then I had two cakes. And the next day was my actual birthday, and I got another cake from the band, from Kevin and the band. And so I ended up with three cakes for my 29th birthday, and then we had Damn. the machine shop the next day. So it was a pretty... And then Dorothy last night. We went to the shelter and saw Dorothy. So 29? 29. Ooh. It's my last 20. I know. Yeah, and three cakes. So what are you going to do for 30 next year? It seems to me like three would I know. more appropriate for it 30. It wasn't on purpose, though. It Mm-mm. completely... So the story was, one of my best friends is the bartender at Omera's in Berkeley, which is where I do karaoke every Wednesday. So I had my pre-birthday party there and my boyfriend Mike ordered a cake and because we were spending the day together, he had her pick it up. So she went to go pick up the cake and she saw a unicorn cake and knew that I would love it. So she was like, "Sorry Mike, I'm getting the cake that you ordered and the unicorn cake." So well, It was birthday. Well, thank you. <laughs> the unicorn cake was enough to make my whole week and that's how it started. So it was a good birthday. I want to do something big and badass for my 30th, but for 29, it was perfect. Very nice. Very understated. I want to go to London and play in London for your birthday next year. I want to play in Vegas for my birthday next year. Really? Oh, yeah. I've never been to Vegas. I don't want to gamble. I just want to go. I went to Vegas uh, for my 30th birthday. Did you? Yep. Yep. It was was, uh, everything you would hope it would be. It was the last time I was drunk. I have not been drunk. Really? Because I was like... I was in Vegas. I was like, "This oh, is going to be it." Vegas this hit him is, too hard. Yeah. To, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> surprise do me. Yeah, I mean, that's the I way to do it. I lived in Vegas for like five years. Oh, really? And yeah. what made you leave? Uh, the thought of death. 
<laughs> the so. fear, the, the fear of the fear of not recovering from <laughs> the debauchery Vegas. Yeah. of Vegas. From Vegas. But me living there would be very different than you living there now, no. or then, for was, that matter. It was. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what years did you live there? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Nineteen eighty. Four. This is why. Nineteen eighty nine, eighty eight or nine. Dude, yeah. you spent the eighties in Vegas, pretty much. Now I spent the eighties in L.A. Uh-huh. and then moved from L.A. to Vegas. Well, this is a great segue because I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> yes. about, uh, about where you're coming from. Um, so, just tell us about yourself. I mean, cause I didn't. I, are you are you not from Michigan then, or uh, you know what's the story with that? Born and raised. Born and raised. But you've moved around a lot, it sounds like, at least twice. You know, if if I really had to think about all the places I lived in, let alone the cities, that would be a difficult task. Mm -hmm. I've I've lived, um, I mean, quick quick rundown. I I was born and raised in uh, Clinton Township, Harrington and Grosbeck. Went to school at De La Salle, downtown Detroit. Um, left in 1977 to go on a swimming scholarship in West Virginia. And, uh, then from there I moved, my folks moved to Sacramento when I went away to college. So when I got done with college, I moved to Sacramento and then met some guys in a band and we were going to move to LA and become rock stars. So you didn't get involved with music until it sounds like your early twenties, no. then, huh? Yeah. But what did you play? Um, you know, I don't really play anything proficiently. I mean, I played guitar and sang in a band of my own later in my life, like in my late thirties. Um, I never really wanted to be a musician. I always wanted to be a technician. I figured if I could be a badass sound engineer. I would always work. Mm-hmm. Badass guitar player, not so much. <laughs> yeah. So I just figured that I would always have a longevity. And I never really did, had any desire. I mean, I could play a little guitar. I could do a little bit of this, play little drums. But nothing like, you know, that I would be proud of. I've played a few things on our records and sang a few things here and there. And I produce a lot of records. So I get on a lot of people's records playing or singing. But... um yeah, it wasn't until I was probably twenty, I guess, probably about twenty. Mm-hmm. That you got that the I, for I it. got yeah, I just met this kid at work and he was a drummer in a band and they practiced in their one car garage <laughs> and he invited me over and I was just like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And uh I had an El Camino at the time, a seventy El Camino. God damn. So dude. so I could <laughs> so I could throw the the shit in the back of my El Camino and take it to gigs. So, and then I just learned, I'd learned about how to restring guitars, how to change drum heads. Um, how does the mixing board work? You know, um, when we lived in LA, the guitar player worked in a music store. So it was kind of convenient to, you know, we had, we rehearsed in the music store. So we had tons of shit to use. So yeah. you just grab it and learn it, you know? Well, well I got to ask, what did you go to college for? Where did you go to college? I went to college in West Virginia at Fairmont State College for and I, swimming. You said, "Well, yeah, I was I was a swimmer in high school. I was I was uh, I can brag. I was an All American um, in college. I was All State. I I I, um, I I was Olympic caliber, but they boycotted the eighty Olympics, so it kind of uh. destroyed my my dream of potentially going to the Olympics. 
so yeah, I was always kind of a jock growing up. Um, but, but once I got the music bug, it was pretty intense. And once we moved to LA, one thing led to another and, you know, the weirdest things happened, you know, the, the guitar player in the band that I was hanging out with, uh, he worked in a music store and the, one of his coworkers, his roommate worked for this old crooner guy, Paul Anka. And they were looking Paul Anka. Yeah. They were looking for a backline tech, somebody to to do all the backline, drums, bass, guitars, set it all up, tear it all down, and go on tour. And so I was recommended. And uh, I had a meeting to go meet with the production manager at the Hollywood um bowl in LA where I was living. And uh um I got the job. And so that was my first big gig. Twenty three, 24 years old, you know, making 1200 bucks a week at the time, which was just ridiculous, <clears throat> which was like, yeah. a I lot mean, of, that's ridiculous. Like now. A, a lot of money for somebody yeah. that was like, you know, 22, 23. So, um, yeah, I had just gotten married. So it was kind of like a really weird time. All of a sudden now I'm, I'm like gone mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm on the road and, and then it just, one thing led to another, went from that to Engelbert Humperdinck to, um, from that to Megadeth, from Megadeth to Dickie Betts to all these tours. You've touched you know. like pretty much every genre there is. Yeah, I, I, I kind of did every genre you could do. I mean, um, and you almost went in order with you starting with Paul Anka, who's like the, I mean, he got his big hit in the 50s, right? Yeah. He kind of, you know, you know, he's still around, but yeah. But uh, that's, that's fucking incredible, man. So, so, uh, How'd you you end up back in Detroit after all that? So, so, uh, all right. So I moved to LA and then I went to work for Paul and then Paul says, well, um, I sort of kind of somehow became the son that he never had. He had five daughters. So he kind (laughs) of, he kind of took me in. Like, it was crazy. Like at one point he was like, my daughter, my eldest daughter is going to like college shop and I'm sending my wife and my daughter, um, on private planes and they're going to rent cars and I want you to go chaperone them. And I'm like, wait, I'm 23. You're sending me out with your wife, who's a babe. And you're sending me out with your daughter, who's a full-on babe. And I'm supposed to take these two women to go look at colleges. And you're trusting me. And he told me straight up, he goes, out of all the people I know, you're the only one I know I can trust. And I was like, okay, no pressure. (laughs) So, But he he said, listen, if you're going to work with me, we're based out of Vegas. And if you're going to work for me, you're going to live here. And I'm sending a truck to go pick up your stuff. Um, call your wife and ask her, well, like, when's a good, when's a good day? And I'd like to do this like in the next few days. And it's like these, they're like these mobster dudes. Like they don't, they <laughs> right. don't ask you. They tell you. They just tell you. If you're going to work for me, I'm sending a truck to get your stuff. Tell your wife to pack. Mm-hmm. They don't even like, right. you know. So anyway, so uh, there I went to Vegas and I stayed in Vegas until, um, <sighs> things got crazy. I got divorced. I got remarried and, it was kind of a whirlwind craziness. And then I went back to Sacramento to kind of reset and, um, zero out. Right? Yeah. I had to like go back to where my parents were and kind of with my kid and I got another kid with my first wife. And now I got another kid and I'm rock and rolling crazy. And I'm like, all right, so what do I do? So then I go back on tour again, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my wife at the time is not happy. And so she packs up the house and she moves to, back to where she grew up, which is Hayes, Kansas, oh. which is in the middle of the United States off Interstate 70 population. 
I don't know, 2000. I don't know. I am pretty sure I stopped there on the way to Vegas because I took the bus. So, so I, so I I get off tour and, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to Hayes. It means I got to fly into Wichita and drive two and a half hours to Hayes. So I get to Hayes, Kansas. And of course, you know, it's the middle of winter. There's, there's no work there in my field. So I go do roughnecking with my brother-in-law drilling oil on the, on the plains of Kansas in the middle of the winter. And they just, you just walked up and said, Hey, I need a job. And he just took me. He's like, he's like, come on, we're going, we're going, we're going. And it was just brutal. And I was the young guy and all these guys, you know, they're like snorting lines and they're drinking and they're out there, you know, put more pipe in raw, you know? And it's like, you're like, "Ah." what a a lifestyle. (laughs) Guys are like nuts. Uh, So I lasted about two weeks. And then I, I told my wife at the time I said, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm going, I'm going to New York. So I, I got, literally got on a Greyhound bus and went to New York and then I stayed there for quite a spell. I knew people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, and I you went back to doing what you, you yeah, I went back. I, I ran a rehearsal studio for a while, which is, you know, I could tell you stories all day. We, we were like the alternative to the big rehearsal studios. Cause we were kind of underground and we had like, you know, Keith Richards was there. Um, uh, Lou Reed was a, a regular there and they had storage lockers with all their gear in it. And we had these rehearsal studios and David Bowie rehearsed there and Cindy Lauper and Madonna and just a lot of people would come in and I, I ran the place. So it was kind of a, a cool groove and I got a lot of work out of it. I got a lot of tours. Yeah. I mean, I got so much work, you know, and then it's like when I take off, I'd have to have my assistant run the studio, you know, and hope it was, I saw the job when I got back, you know. What part of New York was it in? I lived in Manhattan. I lived right in the upper, right in the thick of it. There, upper, upper West Side, Lower East Side. I lived in the Bowery, you know. Um, and then from there, I actually in '96 came back here. I was on tour with this Canadian band, and uh, I tried to get back to Canada. I had a, I had a work visa, and we did a show. Uh, this band Trouble Charger. We played with the Foo Fighters at Clutch Cargos. Trouble Charger, I remember that. Trouble Charger, yep. yeah. So uh, we we were heading across, going across the border, you know, three or four in the morning, up at Blue Water, and I went in and gave the guy my money to renew my work visa and gave him all my paperwork, and that was everything was fine. Oh, he loves the band Trouble Charger. Get your autographs. Everything's cool. And he comes back, goes, "Here's your money back. I'm not, I'm not uh, renewing your work visa." And I'm like. What's up? I go, I've been doing this for years. I have multiple work visas. What's wrong? He goes, I'm just not going to. You're playing bars and stuff, and and uh, there's no reason why somebody in our country can't do that, and I'm not letting you in. And I'm like, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not letting me in. You, you're joking. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not joking. He goes, you can wait till the office opens up at 8 o'clock in the morning and go in and talk to my supervisor, but they're not going to overrule me. And I go, why are you doing this? He goes, basically, because I can. He goes, I don't want you in here anymore. Jesus Christ. So, so I went back the across gut. the border, and um, I said, you guys are going to take me down to Chesterfield from, from Blue Water. And, the, and they go, what's up? I go, that's where my aunt lives. I go, I'm going to take me to my aunt's house. Five o'clock in the morning, knocking on the door. That's hey. crazy. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just I had this weird vibe and feeling. I was like, you know what? I'm going back to New York and getting my crap and I'm moving back. So I moved back. I was here from 96 to 
four, I think. And then I moved to Philly. I worked for Thunder Audio. They're like a big sound company here. So I did a bunch more tours and had a bunch of work. I was actually the front of house guy at the Freedom Hill Amphitheater for the three or four years till they put the roof on it. Oh, really? I lived right across the street. It was a beautiful summer job. Um, then I moved to Philly, and, and Philly was cool. I hooked up with a record label there, and I did a lot of really cool records. And I was there until uh, 2012, and I actually hooked up with uh, my girlfriend from high school. And uh, she was, uh, you know, going through a change of her life as well. And we hooked up, and it's been like five years, and it's been awesome. Wow. And they engage now. Yeah, we're engaged now. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, so here I am. I'm, I'm back. I'm that back is one here. hell of an arc, man. You are, once again, I, I say I, this show is only an hour, and that is not long enough. Right. Because there is so much going through my head now where I'm like, okay, I got to ask about this, I got to ask about that. And You're like I'm, jotting down side notes. I know. I'm like, there's not <laughs> enough time. To get not, into to everything. Not but. that they'd be the most interesting stories in the world, but literally, dude, I could sit here for the next 10 hours and tell you road stories, and you would be like, oh. <laughs> and then I would tell you, yeah, well, in the time that we were in, in, in uh, you know, Denver, and we were in this hot tub, and you'd be like, oh. Well, I feel like now that I've known you for a couple of years, none of your stories surprise me. But at first, he'd be like, oh, have I ever told you about that story that one time Madonna blah 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 i was like wait what mm-hmm. or oh that one time that i was touring with megadeth and blah, blah blah i was like wait what like what's happening like oh i toured with them oh i toured like literally every other you could pretty much throw any artist out and he'll be like oh i toured with them even if it was like one day my god <laughs> like well like you did one date with them so so what are you up to now man like tell us what uh, what you got going on what what are you doing these days besides managing lc banks um well i have a recording studio i've been recording for years as well I, um, when I lived in New York in the, when I moved there, like in the late, like 89, I think, or 1990, I I worked for this band and, and, um, I ended up starting to do their demos. We built a little studio and, and recording all of a sudden I was like, well, here's a whole nother thing I've never explored. Mm -hmm. This is pretty awesome. And so I just started dabbling in recording and, um, got a couple of gigs recording some bands and I'm like, okay. And so, um, that's pretty much been a staple for a while. The recording thing. When I moved back here, um, it took me a while to actually find a place to a planet to land. I bounced around to a couple places. And then I met my partner, Josh Ford, motor city, Josh, who has the sound shop studios in Macomb. And, um, I came in there to use this piano one day and, um, it was beautiful and it was awesome. It's a Yamaha C7 conservatory concert grand piano and it sounds amazing. And I was like, Hey man, looks like you got some space over here where you have this like little makeshift thing going, man, you ever think about maybe building another control room over here? I said, I wouldn't mind coming, moving in here. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm good by myself. I said, all right, cool. And then I rented the piano again a few months later or whatever. And I was like, hey, man, you ever thought about, you know, what I said? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine on my own. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I think it was one more time I came in, I think to track drums or something or use the organ. I think it was the organ. And I was like, look, dude, what what I have to do? You know, like, come on, let's build another room up front here. And let's rock this place. And he was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not really sure about that. And I said, look, what's your monthly nut here? Like, don't even tell me. 
Just come up with a number. Just throw a number at me. And he threw this number at me, and I said, I'll pay it. And he's like, yeah, maybe. And he called me like a few <laughs> hours later. So he, you know. That sounds about right so with even Josh then, as well. He, even then, he was like, I need, I'm going to hesitate yeah. for, for so a So he called hours. me a few hours later, and within like – with like eight days, we had built a control room and wired it to all the other rooms. And and uh, that was over four years ago. Mm-hmm. And son of a bitch, we've never even had an argument. Wow. Like we've never even not raised our – we've had a couple of minor disagreements about bullshit that really never went no, nowhere. But we've never had like a fuck you or, or you know, what the fuck's wrong with you. I mean nothing. We share everything we have. We – we share buying toilet paper. We share cleaning. <laughs> you know, he does the snow. He does the the grass in the summer. I pay for the snow plowing in the winter. You know, we've just completely we share gigs together. Equilibrium. Yeah. If, if he gets a band that comes in that's a little like out of his wheelhouse, he'd be like, dude, I can't. I don't. Do, you handle you know? this. Yeah. yeah. You know, I could do the metal shit. He can't really. He can't. He can't, can't stomach that. Yeah, he's you know. well so here we are um and and, uh so i guess at this point just tell us what elsie binks has been up to in the past uh since the last time we uh we talked there and uh, you guys have been quite busy we have been very busy so i was i mean we did um i think it was 25 shows last year total that well i i didn't count like literally but uh, I have we have a Dropbox folder that I put all the flyers in, promos, any pictures I get, so that way the band can use them whenever they want to, and they don't have to steal them like crappy res off of Facebook or whatever. And I looked at this 2017 folder, and there were like 25 different, like just flyers alone and stuff. And like a, like half of, since I was here, I th- we did a lot of gigs in November and December. Like we had we had four gigs in December alone. Uh, and we do about another. 80 or more. I know. A year with the with, corporate with, bands. With the corporate but, band we right. work for. So EBX has been just steadily getting, we have to make conscious efforts to like take breaks and write new songs because the amount of opportunities coming our way for gigs is actually a really decent amount. And for us to put them in with our other corporate band schedule and make it not conflict all the time it does conflict every once in a while, but our boss has been very, very good to us about giving us a little bit of leniency there. But I mean, EBX has just been exponentially growing when it comes to what gigs are offered. Um, the fan base. I mean, I sell more and more merch every single show we do. And that's saying like the bigger shows, like the machine shop and, um, we're opening for Kaleido at the token this Friday, like the bigger shows like that. But that's always the gauge to gauge upon how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. is how much merch you're selling. I remember when I did a tour with Ronnie James Dio and Megadeth, Megadeth was out selling Dio's merchandise like three to one, which gave Dave the right to be a dick to Ronnie. <laughs> because quote, quote. His, his merchandise was selling. Where I'm, I'm, more, I'm a, more of a badass than you are. Right, right. Because I'm selling more merch. Well, you guys, uh, you guys played uh, – out of those uh, 25 gigs, you guys played in L.A. You were about to leave for L.A. Uh, right before yeah. uh, or right after you were on the show. Yeah. So at the Whiskey A Go-Go, right? Yeah, that was so. crazy. And what's funny about that is 
And again, I'm still kind of new to the original band game. I've only been doing this the two years that this band has been doing this. I've been in a professional singer, if you will, for eight years, but just two of them. I've have, educated her. He has. <laughs> he has uh, infinitely so, given me tons of knowledge. But what's funny about whiskey is we didn't sell any merch. Oh, really? We sold, we, well, okay, we sold like one hoodie, but it was like my dad's cousin. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the merch that we sold actually was all from people we knew. And the fans that we gained only really translated uh, digitally. Um, like our Spotify numbers went up and our iTunes, like that kind of stuff did actually see a growth. But, and again, the layout at Whiskey was weird. All of our merchandise was upstairs. And so if you never went upstairs, then you never wanted to buy any merch. Mm-hmm. And if I were people, I wouldn't go upstairs layout. either. It's a weird layout. It was a super layout. dumb layout. Sorry, Whiskey. But like having the merch upstairs is a bad idea. And it's just a this, dumb idea. They have this little walkway around the building. Around the inside, that's this white line. And if you step out of the white line, the bouncer comes and nudges you back out, yeah. of, out of the walkway. What's yeah, on the like, other side of the white line? Just exactly. a walkway so you can walk around the perimeter. I mean, it's a safety thing. It's oh. it's sort of set up in a it's it's the stages in the corner. So it's 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 like a it's like a, a is it a square or is it a rectangle? I don't. Was it rectangular? I couldn't tell you. I think it was more square. I don't remember. So you know, the band was in one corner like this, and then there was a little bit of space, but then there was a balcony above it. So underneath the balcony, there was VIP more tables. Booths. Yeah, VIP tables that you had to rent, and then there was a bar, and they didn't want people standing in front of. The, I don't know. It's it's complicated and you 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 can't really visualize it really well just by us telling it, mm-hmm. but not not uh, yeah. well designed to uh, get the merch in front of people. The no, merch should have been downstairs by been, the door. Yes, right. which is normally where we put it. If yeah. I can put it where people see it, I'm the first person to be like, "Hey, can I put my stuff right here?" Half more than half the time, they're like, mm-hmm. "Put it wherever you want to put it." Honestly, most venues don't care, but whiskey was so specific about every single thing we did. Uh, so that was just not conducive to selling merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like, on, but excuse it, me, it online it helped. I, I watched the video. Thank but it you. Was, it, yeah. was, it was a badass show. It the was. The place was packed. What's funny is we had more people there from Michigan than some of our shows that we have here in Michigan. Wow. Because people made the trek across the country to come see us, which was really, really cool. And then me, because I lived there, I had like... 80 you, friends. It was like just your party, yeah, a I friend like, party. Like, and then here's the even the more funnier thing. One of my best friends growing <laughs> up, um, we toured together in Megadeth. Um, uh, Nick Menza, the drummer that passed away um, um, a year and a half ago or whatever, that was the drummer in Megadeth. He, we all were in this band that moved to L.A. And eventually this band became Rhodes, which was uh, Kelly Rhodes, which – his real name is Doug, but Kelly Rhodes and his brother was Randy Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So um, John, who we call Gumby, was my best friend I met in Sacramento when I first moved there. And we have been fast friends for years. And I told him that we we're going to come out to the whiskey and his girlfriend lives. Um, the whiskey <laughs> is is in between two streets that go up a hill and the one street that's at the one end of the whiskey goes up this hill. And at the very first street on the left is where Gumby's girlfriend lives. And she had a parking pass for us to park our tour bus with our trailer right in front of her house. Amazing. Wow. So Amazing. We get to LA and you know, there's nowhere to 
fucking park in LA and we got this VIP parking spot and she threw a party for us. We were carte blanche to go in. Yep. And um yeah, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. It just doesn't get yeah. any better than that. The the traveling itself was uh illuminating <laughs> for me. And I I was that dick who got on the bus sick because I had no choice. I was running a fever when I got on that bus. Every single person thereafter got sick and it was my fault yeah, and that sucked. True. And Johnny, unfortunately, was the one who had it on stage. Uh, but we all suffered at some point because I had to get on the bus. Like, didn't have much of a choice but to lock myself in here with these guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my ex- my experience traveling out there is different than yours, Kevin, because uh, my dad and Kevin solely took on the driving there and back. Mm-hmm. We didn't play shows on the way there and back. We drove out there for two and a half days Played the show and was there for another day. We only had the window of opportunity to get yes. out there, play, and get our ass back. And and then we drove our asses back home for two, two and a half days. Mm-hmm. And that was all them. All the driving. And, I mean, they had driving partners. Lauren and, and Jimmy and, and Roger were great driving. And I'm me too. I did a little bit of the partnering with my dad. But uh, that's a very different experience versus yeah. getting to be on this cushy bus with couches. And I'm watching a movie on my mm. galaxy. like Road dogging it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a lot of fun for me. And having a toilet on the bus was fantastic. As oh well. yeah, you gotta Can I have just a say that? Like, yep. <laughs> I I love that. So that made my whole life. Well, so uh, uh, another uh, another big development uh, that's uh, gone down with you guys recently is you just uh, I noticed you got a new drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so could you talk about that a little bit? You you know no you do that because you knew knew him. That came from you. So yeah, so we um, we we got a new drummer um, about a month ago. Um, we parted ways with our old drummer, Dylan McCarty. There was, um, I want to believe it was done, um, the right way. Um, I think both of us would agree that it was done the right way. It it, it just, it was something that unfortunately needed to happen. And it's, it's very sad. And, and, and I'm, I'm a dude and I'm not afraid of my feelings or emotions. When I talked to Dylan on the phone, I was crying. And it was really a difficult thing. Um, you know, we all have problems with people in our lives and, and, you know, there's things that go on in this world that I'm not happy with. And I'm sort of vocal on Facebook once in a while about my political beliefs, Sort of, but, 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 but all in all, I mean, we're, we're all still human beings and, um, it, you know, as upset as you can get at somebody or anybody, um, you know, we're all still, we're all still on this earth together. And so, we just decided it was in our best interest to, 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 um, to try a different Avenue and pursue something different. And, um, so we reached out to a few drummers and one of them was Darren, um, Curtis. He's Canadian, eh? Hey. And, um, so he came to audition and I, I gave him a cu- three songs to audition with and they were, um, um, hard, medium, and easy. Yeah, pretty much exactly. And yeah. I, I gave them to him like that on purpose. I wanted one that was super easy, one that was, you know, decently. Took a little bit of thought and then one that was like, holy shit, dude, there's some syncopation in here. The one that's in some, 7 8 and some time changes that are happening and you know, if you can't I told him, "Ship, if you can't play this, this band probably won't be for you because this song's not going to go away just cuz you can't play it." And, um, I said, I would even make the suggestion that you come in first off and you do that song first 
and tell everybody, do you really need to hear the other two? That's the kind of attitude I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I told that to every person that auditioned. He's the only one that came in and said, I want to start with that song. Yeah. And he crushed it. Out of the four drummers we auditioned, he was the only one that learned that one. Oh, wow. With the knowledge that we said, if you can't play this one, you can't be our drummer. He's the the only one that even learned it. All the other ones let it scare him away, huh? Sounds like. Kind of, yeah. Great guys, but just didn't, you know, cut it when it came to just the complex songs that we've kind of cornered ourselves with. So that made it an easy decision then. Kind of, yeah. I mean... It was kind of a no-brainer for yeah. me. I mean, I just told him straight up right after that song is over. I said, we can keep going through this process, but, you know, I'm I'm sold. I said, the only thing I would say to you is, how badly do you want this? Because mm-hmm. if this is just like, oh, I just want to be an original band, this might be kind of fun, then please don't waste our time. If you're like, holy shit, this band is badass. I've checked out everything about them. I know who they are. I love the music. I love everything about it. And literally, and, right? Literally, that's our new single. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I mean, I mean, if you know, if, if you do, then then jump on board, you know. And um, he was like, no, because we have mutual friends, and he knew who we were, and and um, so he had a, an audition in four rehearsals, and and uh, you know, and you guys just played your first show with him at the Machine yeah. Shop, right? Last week. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I would seriously give him like a B plus. I mean, to get to get an A plus. You I know, would have given him an A. Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I give him a solid B plus. That's fair. Um, just because the the music has a lot of twists and turns in it. It and, does. Yeah. And you know, it's takes a little getting used to, you know. I mean, he you know, he he dropped the ball a couple times, but his his drop was like it didn't touch the ground. No. Like picked he fumbled, it up immediately. He fumbled it for a second, but it never left his hands. You know, he he immediately knew what he did, and he immediately caught you know caught himself and. And to be fair, we all do that. Yeah. He only fumbled as much as any of the rest of us normally fumble, including (laughs) me mixing. I mean, I fumble mixing. I use an iPad, and sometimes the response is 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 a little dodgy, not as quick as I want, and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to blend a band you know of that intensity with eight people on it on a fucking iPad. I gotta say, man, the 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 when I. Me and you met very briefly uh, about a year ago. I drove. I drove out. I was telling Aaron. I think the last time you were on, mm-hmm. I drove out to Battle Creek to see them open for you guys. Right. Open for Kaleido, right. and I was sitting at a table in the back, and you came and you sat next to yeah, me. Yeah, And I was like, "This guy's got a whole freaking like <laughs> like." You were right. pulling up computers like a. And it was funny because I'm sitting at this little table with you, and there's all these computer monitors, and I'm just like, "This is like this space station next to me with this." Yeah. Right. And I was like, "This guy is." It means business, you know, and you're, it's all touch screens and stuff like that. So yeah, you, you know, I can totally see that that's a lot to keep track of. So yeah. it's not even keeping track. It's like, you got to keep s- 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 paging back from yeah. side to side and, and you're trying to pull up a fader and sometimes it responds easy and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you're trying to blend, you know, the background vocals, you're trying to blend guitars and you're like, okay, I know the solo is happening, but it's not moving right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need one of those you iPad know? pros. Like you've been saying that big ass one, my gosh, yeah. you'd be able to see almost the whole band in one screen. Yeah. You know, the thing is with, you know, with, with what we do, um, trying to be as professional as we can with eight people on in-ear monitors and no monitors, no, no wedges on stage. And, and all of our own mics and stands and cables. And um, it just makes it so that our show is consistently 
who we are. Yeah. We're not worried about what kind of mixing board we're using tonight. We're not worried about whether the background singers can hear their vocals, whether all the singers can hear they're pitchy because they can't hear each other. You know, they can't hear the guitar, so they don't know what note they're on. You know, there's none of that. None of that happens when you right. have veneers. You're not I mean, at the mercy of this of a sound dude who doesn't care. Correct. Right? So, or isn't good at his job. Yeah, one of the too. two. I mean, that's that's why I mix every show for my band. Mm-hmm. That's my investment. That's and if my they band. and if they don't accept that, then we don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty simple. We haven't had to. We came across that situation one time, and we fixed a, it in a in a <laughs> in a, a, a live. Uh, um, radio studio setting and um, it was an FM station and uh, mm-hmm. the engineer mm-hmm. said you can't use your own stuff and you can't mix FCC regulations I said no problem I said hey everybody grab the stuff and put it back out in the van let's go we're, we're not oh, wow. doing the show and and the producer was like whoa, whoa, whoa what's up I said well we have eight people in the band there's no way that your guy is going to be able to provide eight monitors right. for them right we play to a click track um there's no way that you're going to be able to represent us the way we want to be represented. We're not going to do it half-assed. And the only way we don't do that is if it's stripped down acoustic. The only way if we do it. you wanted to have the two two or three singers and two acoustic guitars in here. That's different. And use these mics and play. No problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No that's problem. very different. But if we're doing our show and we're representing our songs as a full band, they'll be done our way. Or unfortunately, it won't be done. Right, right, and that goes with with a club. If we pull up to a club and they're like, "You can't use any of your stuff. You have to use all of our stuff. Use the wedges. Use the house drum kit. You're going to use." We'd be like, mm. "I mean, we 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 don't get in that position because we make sure before we book a gig that it's understood what we do, mm-hmm. and we just don't want to. We don't want to sacrifice ourselves. We've worked too hard. Why do? Why 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 am I going to go race?" the Indy 500 in a borrowed car from somebody down the street. Yeah. Right. right. Fuck that. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it. Well, you know, and I've said this, I said this last time too, mm-hmm. you know, the, the amount of work that you guys put into this, you seem like you've been around a hell of a lot longer than two years. Yeah. With the amount of, of stories that you have and, and, and the, the depth to which you, you can, you talk about your passion for it and, and the preparation and the investment that you make. Well, into I, it. I mean, I, I want to believe that, I want to believe, I want to, I want this to be true that I'm 59 years old. I started doing this when I was 20 and I, I would hope that in the uh, nearly 40 years that I've learned some things and I've been able to um, give my knowledge to everybody I work with. I mean, I never hold back. Never. I never go, oh, that's a trade secret or I'll show you if you pay me. I've never done any of that. It's like I give away all my knowledge for free to anybody that wants it. I help bands out all the time in my studio that don't have a clue, that don't know how to publish their stuff, don't know how to do this, don't know how to don't know how to put a song together. And, you know, our band is there's some young people in, in the band. Um, you know, our youngest guitar player is 23, two, three. I think Johnny's 23. So, I mean, you know, that's that's very young. Yeah. You know, that's when I did my but first tour. But he's also been doing this for a lot longer than I have even. I, I understand. Which is crazy. I understand. But, <laughs> but, but I, I want to believe that I, I'm, I'm able to give my wisdom to them. So maybe that makes us seem like we've been doing this longer than two years yeah. because of all of the... Like even Phil and Johnny, they've been jamming a band together for six years. They're young kids. I think seven. Seven years. I think seven you know they're both young and that's and that's why it seems like we've been around 
for longer because every single person involved brings some sort of wisdom. I bring in the marketing and the exposure and some of the graphic-y stuff. I mean, I paid for a lot of professional design stuff in the beginning that I'm still using, like the logo. I paid a lot of money for that. Like I went out of my way to do have professionals do it for me because I knew I wasn't going to do it right. But when it came time to do what you do, Kevin, and put the equipment together, we split the cost. But I was like, dude, that's all you. You get what we need because I know you know what you're doing. And all of us have some sort of perspective that is professional in our own way. Does that make sense? You know, like it's we're we're all professionals in some way. And and also, too, I mean, um, you know, Julie, our keyboard player and Cindy Lish, our background singer, um, play in a band together now. They played in the band together for a long time with our bass player, Q. Yeah. Um, well, that's the reason they're in our band is right. because of our bass player. Q brought him in. And then, you know, when Dylan was in the band, Dylan and and Johnny and Phil played for years together. Yeah. So there was a um, – and her and I knew each other for, you years. know, for, for, for a couple of years before we even started the band. So there was a lot of chemistry. And Jenna, our other singer, has been friends with Aaron for years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um, – there was a lot of chemistry that started this band that we didn't even mean to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't even mean to do this. This, no. this was completely not anything that we gave a thought to whatsoever for one second to start a band. It was going to be like a one-time CD release show. Yeah, we That's were just going to write some was. songs. <laughs> we were going to write some cute little songs, and we were going to make a record, and we were going to put the, the musicians together and do a little show for fun. And then it just went like super serious, like super quick. Snowballed. Sometimes that's the, that's the best way to do it, though, is because you're not your expectations aren't as high. You're not like that's you true. know it's it's more of an organic process. It could it couldn't have been any um, that couldn't have been any better. Well, what what do you guys got coming up here? So you just uh, put out a new single. It sounds well, like. Well, we will be in will the be? next. Yeah, so uh, we have to finish up the production on it. But other than that, it will be out in the next. I don't know, two months. At some point in the next two months, I would say. I'm gonna try to f- finish in the next week or two. The oh yeah, mastering. Yeah. So. So you know, yeah, in the next weeks. month. Yeah, yeah, in the next month. Maybe into February, depending on how long, because sometimes CD Baby it takes forever. To, and I would love to do a pre-order of it as well. So sometimes that's a week We're or two. We're trying to bring the new singer up to to speed. Drummer, and he's got uh, the new singer. I'm like, who's the new uh, singer? New singer. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Did I get fired on air? I thought you meant like a background <laughs> singer or something. But. No, we're trying to get the new the new singing drummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he does sing. Right. So. Uh, up to speed. He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of material you know, to learn. Yeah, like, yes. You know, two hours worth of material and, and we want this new single to be the first thing he does with us oh, so right, we had right. recorded it previously and uh, it's all done now except for the drums mm-hmm. which is kind of why i'm like well it might be out in the next month like that's because that's all we have left to do uh but he's very meticulous about the drum tracks we make everything sound amazing and that takes time mm-hmm. you know uh so you gotta start from scratch on a drum track it's gonna take a minute um, and you guys so, are at the token uh, this weekend with uh, yes, Kaleido? Yes, with Kaleido and one of another Kevin's bands, Core Effect, and Yellow Paint, and Greg, is it Blucher? Blulcher? Bulcher? Crap. I suck at this. <laughs> I know there's a band called Bleaker, but... I no, no, no. Know, it's but... Greg. It's Greg. Um, I want to say Blucher, because I, I was saying Bulcher, and I think somebody corrected me. And I was like, oops. So we got we got a full lineup though. Full lineup. Full lineup. And we are direct support. The doors are at seven. 
And there's a lineup in one of the Facebook events, so you can actually see. And I think we're on at 945, is what the lineup says right now. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then we have... Um, and we and, and we love Kaleido, by the way. We do. They are some of my favorite people. I was right. It's great. I don't know if it's Blucher or Blutcher. <laughs> Either way, that's how it spells, if you can... Sounds... You know what I'm saying. Uh, we love Kaleido. I've been a fan of Kaleido since uh, the first EP. Mm-hmm. I found them not too far into their career beginning. So I've been a fan for a long time and we got to open for them for the first time at Battle Creek, mm-hmm. which is where you were. And that was really, really amazing. I had seen them for years and I use them as like an industry standard for myself. And I mean, not like, you know, you're not trying to copy people, but they set a really good standard. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it right this whole time. Yeah. When you think of like, uh, you know, Local bands, you know, they're at the top of that list right now. I, I they think, really you know, are. As far as like, you well, know, they're not even you, so much like low. I mean, they're local to us, but they, they are they definitely a branched and, out. But I mean, as far yeah. as as far as like bands from Detroit that have, you know, I mean, yeah. they were in, I think they started in what like 2011, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think um, they said they've been together for five years recently. Mm-hmm. I forget. It was either 2011 or 2012. It's probably mm-hmm. you're probably right. But yeah, Christina has always been really, really nice to me, and uh, I did a cover of Jane on YouTube. Yeah. a couple of years ago and well you saw it she actually brought me up on stage and let me sing it with her mm-hmm. i was mortified and happy and and like i didn't know what to feel that was pretty cool uh and she's just that kind of human all the guys every time we do a show together because we did the thanksgiving bash at uh diesel this past year with them as well mm. every time we're in the same vicinity with them they all come up and hug us all say hi how are you like every single one of them they're just really great people and we love them. Rock for Tots. Oh, Rock for Tots, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to see it. So they performed at like 2 p.m. And we had a late-ass gig the night before. So I I got there at like 4 o'clock. I was like, girl, a, that, I am sorry. That's a super great <laughs> event, the Rock yes. for Tots, that uh, my friend uh, Loco Joe puts on. I hope we can do that every and, uh, year. And Scream and Scott. And, um, I had a lot of fun watching, too. Right. That was, it was just such a, and they broke records with how much they raised. Oh, wow. For Rock for Tot, uh, not for what's the um, No Child Without a Christmas? Is that what's um, yeah? That's what they call it. It's um, it's it's Rock for Tots. There's Toys for Tots. Don't be confused. Yes, this is the Rock for Tots. They did um, thirty one acts, acoustic full bands, whatever we wanted it to be. They did thirty thirty one bands that day, starting at. I think we started at eleven thirty in the morning, went till one thirty in the morning. Wow. Where was this? Where at was Ray's, Ray's Ray's bar and, and gross back in Clinton Township. And uh I mixed all thirty one bands. Oh wow. That's that's a I was I was day. in the bathroom pissing with my iPad in one hand <laughs> and my dick in the other. <laughs> that yeah, that was other than that visual, thank you. Um it was a great day. It was that was a really really cool experience. I was, I was proud of myself. I've mixed a lot of festivals and mixed a lot of bands, but I've never, <laughs> in all my years, mixed thirty one bands in one day by F- myself. Fourteen hours worth from yeah, eleven thirty to one thirty. And then, but then to top it off, we had had done a corporate gig the night before, and it was late as hell. So I got home at four in the morning, and I had to be at Ray's at um, like nine or at something. nine yeah. to load in. Figuring two and a half hours would be enough time. And of course, you know, yeah, it was and it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I got up at eight and uh, so four hours of sleep. And then I Whew, plowed through 31 bands. 
God damn that, yeah. drug free, by the way. I'm, I was about to say, yes. yeah, busting out the Adderall or no, something. I'm, nothing, I'm hoping nothing. to be a part of that show forever and a day. Like forever. I, lo- I love doing fundraisers. Though. I did have like like eight Bloody Marys. Though. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have some, yeah, the, the things we have coming up. I always have to have my calendar right in front of me because I have no idea what Probably goes on. Probably out of time, aren't we? No, no we're doing good. I just we wanted to hit it. After us, so I, j- can... I just wanted to hit it real fast because we have the Kaleido show this Friday. Hit it and forget it. Hit it and quit it. And then one of our favorite acoustic, I call it acoustic and chill. Uh, I don't know. If that's not really a thing. I just call it that. It is now. It is now. Acoustic <laughs> and chill at Moose McGregor's. It's downriver. And we always bring a different acoustic singer-songwriter acts with us. We have Melanie Mercadante, who did the artwork for the new single as well. Chris Tavernier and Brad Stewart are coming with us. And that is January 26th. And then right now, February, I think we're just kind of kind of... We're not in... We're going to just write We're going to try to write and rehearse yeah, that month. we're not going to book month. anything. I purposely... Um, have not done anything in February. But in March, we have our first ever international gig in Canada. Oh. We booked the East Side Bar and Grill in London, you know Ontario. You know why? Because our new drummer is Canadian. <laughs> eh? <laughs> and so we told him that part of the deal of getting in the band, eh, <laughs> is you got to get us across the border, eh? And he followed through with that within a week. He immediately booked immediately. us a gig. So, yeah. Um, I think it's with Abandoned Souls is the band. Uh from uh i don't know if they're legitimately just gotta make sure i can get all my gear across London. the border yeah that's a whole other thing we can all get ourselves across the border it's the gear part mm-hmm. but uh that'll be exciting and then later on that month on the 31st we're in, in toledo ohio with um at the new longhorn saloon we like that place a lot they have the best food actually <laughs> you wouldn't suspect that we're opening for jessica hannon and then in April, this will be the last one for now because that's like four months away. But in April, we're playing Harpos for the first time. They're doing a new um, local show thing on Fridays every single Friday. Yeah. Is it every single Friday? Um, yeah. And April 6th is our date. And there's already a whole list of bands. Uh, if you go on Facebook, there's already an event there for it. And there's like six six bands. Couldn't tell you any of them off the top of my head. And then, then we should be going back to L.A. Um, later that month, hopefully. Yeah, later that month. Our tentative is... Um to book a uh, two weeks out there and back, um, leaving um, the fifteenth. Yeah, leaving the fifteenth and winding up in L.A. and playing on uh, the twenty four twenty. Oh my god, four twenty, <laughs> dude! We're doing a four twenty gig, dude, in L.A. That's in awesome, LA, man. And then we're gonna come back. That's and, very tentative right now, though. Yeah, there's there's no venue set. The date's set. I'm waiting on more information. But this is going to be a benefit for. Uh, our friend Nick Menza's children. Um, they've been left without a father now at this point. And uh, so we're going to see what we can do to continue to help Nick's kids. And that'll be a benefit for them. That'll be awesome. I really hope every all the details come through on that and we are able to get out there for that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll stay posted on that. Yes. You guys you guys are fully loaded then. Train oh, on. yeah. Yep. But there's no stopping, full steam. Well, we could uh, we could continue talking about uh, this stuff for for hours, I'm sure. But uh, uh, I got to ask you guys: Is there anything you want to whine about? We got we have any uh, wine topics that are on on your mind that we could uh, we could jump into here? I feel like that's my whole life. If I could whine, <laughs> just I want to whine about everything. I want to whine about winter, but today wasn't that bad. No, so I no. feel like there's no rights to whine about that. Today. Winter whining was like last week's. Yeah, yeah that would have been good last week. Yeah, but, but today, the winter whining feels... is done today. That's when I was looking for a place in L.A. that we could all move to. 
Yeah. Know? Right. We're like, probably fuck like this. We're leaving tomorrow. Well, 20 grand a month. I could probably find a decent place we could all live in. My brother lives in LA and he was here for the holidays. And I just, oh, he just God. texted me today and he was like, if I hadn't gone back, I was like on the edge of a major depressive episode. He's like, welcome to our lives. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, dude, I'm still stuck here. <laughs> dude, I need to, I, I mean, we talk, we talk about this legitimately all the time. Like we need to move there in the next few years. Like it's, it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live my whole life and die here in Michigan mm-hmm. my, or I will. And it'll be very soon because of winter. Right. <laughs> like I'm not going to last a whole lot. And I told my mom the same thing that today I was like, I am not going to last more than a couple more years. You know, in this winter you know if, if I didn't have the studio, I couldn't go out doing gigs like going out doing sound gigs every day, like working for a sound company or it's being a delivery driver. Oh or, God. I know a couple I delivery mean, drivers. I it's- just can't. Uh, I mean, I've always done music, but just the studio, it's like, I feel like the weather can be whatever the hell it wants to be outside. Yeah. I don't give shit really yeah. when I'm in the studio and I'm usually there first thing in the morning till first thing in the morning. So it's true. <laughs> well, I delivered uh, hospice equipment for three years, and that and, and that was uh, first of all, I mean, you're a delivery driver, and then you're the, what you're delivering is not is like pretty much one of the worst possible things to deliver, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, the the I was lucky. I, one of the winters I, I worked there wasn't that bad. It was kind of a mild winter, but the other two, the very first winter I worked there was just brutal. Yeah. And it was, uh, I, I became a man at that job. <laughs> <laughs> you finished puberty real quick. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good timing on that. I, I actually thought of a topic last night that I, that I, I was thinking about and, uh, it's, uh, assigned seating at movie theaters. And this had never really bothered me until last night. I understand. It was. Uh, have you been to the State Theater in Ann Arbor since they reopened? Do they do assigned no. seating at movie theaters? They do. Yeah, <laughs> it's happening more and more. I, it did. It's a real movies. thing. Uh, yeah, it's a very real thing. I don't go to the movies. Yeah. It's. It's. Uh, I. I go to the movies a lot. I try so to go at least once a week. Um, I don't go that much, but and, do go a lot. Uh, wow, once a week. Yeah, yeah. I'm a. I, I love the movies, but. It's only been because I'm my two primary movie theaters. Well, three. I go to MJR Brighton, uh, Michigan and State Theater in Ar- Ann Arbor, and then the Main Art here in Royal Oak. Yeah. Um, the Main Art is the only one out of those three now that doesn't do assigned seating, and and but it's so small that makes sense. It is, but the thing is, is the State Theater just did a whole bunch of renovations. I was there last night. I saw yeah. I Tanya, which was fucking incredible. I've heard it was, it was incredible. It was, Margot Robbie should have won Best Actress last night over Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Uh. Saoirse Ronan was great in Lady Bird. Margot Robbie was hilarious in this. I loved it. I walked in. I didn't know anything about Tanya Harding. Really? really? I didn't know him. Awesome movie. Hilarious. I really want to see that movie. But the thing is, is they, they the State Theater, it used to just be two theaters. It was They were both pretty big, old yeah. style theaters, very classy. And now they've split the 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 the, uh, the area up into four theaters and they're all smaller. Oh. Um, it looks great. It's the renovations look great. The place is really modern now, and it's 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 ready for the 21st century, right? <laughs> but they have assigned seating, yeah. and I'm like, these theaters are so freaking small. It, I I miss the the days, and I understand like I guess if the show's gonna sell out or something like that, you can do it. But it's like yeah. you do the thing where you pick your the when you buy your ticket, you pick the your seat the screen. on the screen, yeah, and uh, it it's. I think really the reason this bothered me is because this freaking woman was kicking my seat the entire time. So maybe that's what I want to whine about, actually, is people <laughs> kicking my seat in the movie theater. That's you funny. Didn't, you didn't just turn around and say, excuse me, but do you really have to kick my fucking seat? It was, it was like, it was 
not consistent enough to me. I would it would happen, and I'd be like, okay, if it happens again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. Yeah, and then it would, and then it, she would wait just long enough for me to forget about it, and then it would happen again. I'd be like, oh, and then I'd be like, okay, next time, next time, because <laughs> now the movie's half over, and and. But the one thing I did do, I did give her uh, uh, quite the stink eye right as I got up. I, I turned around and I looked right at her. She may and not even realized like, why, though. Like, no, really, she, bitch? I don't think she did, really? but that was the best I could do in the, yeah. under the circumstances. I was like, all right. Excuse but, me, ma'am. Do you think you could keep your foot off my ass? Yeah. The thing yeah. that bothers me about the assigned seating isn't so much that it exists, but that, and maybe it's just me and my awful memory, but I feel like every screen when you go to the theater, no matter what theater it's at, you don't know which side the screen is on mm-hmm. and not the TV screen. So when you're looking at it, like you don't know which literally, like if I choose a seat back here, is the screen in front of me or is it all, am I picking a seat in the back row? Mm-hmm. And a couple of times I've been fucked royally on that because I didn't say what side is the screen on? And I was like in the very front row and I'm like, I can't do this. And I just got up and walked to the back. Well, it's just, I just miss the days of like, I mean, it just, I just want to walk in and sit down. I don't want to have to walk. Yeah. It's not a concert. You know, I don't want to have to check my, and some of the, like MJR did a bunch of renovations and now they've got the seats where they the recline. Big, I don't mind it you with know, that though, honestly. That I can understand. But the States are just, I mean, they're just regular movie yeah. seats now. It, it doesn't feel, you know, that it, I don't really see the need for it in that type of environment. But Agree. the thing is, is, is like with these new reclining seats, like now I watch a movie and I'm like, I feel obligated to use that recliner, you know, uh, which is not, I'm not whining about that, that I'm totally fine with. I love them. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that was the one topic that I had for this week is this kind of, I, I, so, I, so random, but I, so true. I don't see the need for, for assigned seating in movie theaters. It's not, it's not the end of the world, but, uh, but I, I would rather just go back to just, just let me walk in and pick my damn seat. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with that for sure. It's annoying. So, so yeah, well, uh, we got, uh, two minutes left here. Um, so I, I want to whine about only having two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> We're so used that to podcasts that are like over an hour. Like, I think the last one we did was two hours and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> Did we do that phone one? It was two hours long. The f- no, that one was an hour. Oh no! But the last cave we did was two hours, and it was I don't like, think oh I have to whine about is politics, and nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Did you? About s- it. No, wait, no, wait. Did you see that Oprah is actually considering running? Oh, oh, yeah. I'll- that speech last night definitely. I will like vote the shit was- out of Oprah. That I- sounded like Obama. Oprah and night. Michelle you know is what, what people you know are what? saying. That's funny. That's funny. You said that. I was talking to my partner today. We went out for lunch. I said, "Did you see?" Um, Oprah's speech. He's like, no. And I go, I cried. I go, it was very Obama-esque. Yeah. Like it was so intelligent and so well thought out and so articulated and so not read off a fucking teleprompter and so like from the heart. Yeah. That, that bitch rules. Well, I, I read, uh, I, I didn't even them. see it. I just read the transcript of it. And I was yeah. like, if I didn't know better, I would assume this is one of his speeches. Yeah. It, it, it read it like an so, Obama speech. I would so definitely, good. I'll tell you, that would be for me, Politically speaking, morally speaking, American speaking, if 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 Oprah ran and she beat out Trump, if if Oprah actually beat out Trump, it would be, um, that would be just amazing. That would be part of me Epic. would be obviously Epic. I would take Epic. Oprah over Trump. Obviously, I, I would take pretty much anybody over Trump at this point. But I would. This sounds weird. I kind of don't want another billionaire. I don't want another billionaire entertainer. I don't want to see that. that. It, you know, I, I think it's uh, different, though. I think that this is a. Um, I think that this is an intelligent person, a person that understands humanity, a person that came from nothing, 
from nothing. I was about to say the same thing. Somebody that came from nothing. I mean, she came from zero. And everything that she has, she got on her own. And I don't Mm -hmm. believe that she was... I don't believe she was given too many hummers in the back room to try to get to where she no. got from. No, she no. she didn't grow up in a skyscraper. That that right. is true. Um, the the thing is, and it, it would be it, it's just when Trump got elected last year, I was like, you know, this is so morbidly appropriate for where we are as a culture and, and as a society right now. Just money obsessed and fame obsessed and everything. Obviously, there's it's there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and, and wanting to, to succeed, but to do it at all costs, yeah, to the detriment of the rest of society. I mean, we could go on and on. We about needed, that. you know, as as, mu- as much as I don't like Donald Trump, as much as I think that as a society we've made a huge error in our judgment, it's definitely something that's been needed. Yeah, I'm there's glad, a wake up call. I'm glad yeah. he's the president. Mm-hmm. I'm glad right now. And and his fall from grace will be so huge and so monumentous. It's going to be like Humpty Dumpty that fell off the wall, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's going to be Trumpty Dumpty, and he's going to fall. <laughs> and all you know, everybody brags about how the stock market's going up, and it's all him. Well, I, I don't know. I, I hope nobody loses a penny, but it can't. The they, you can't keep putting water into the jug without something happening, right? So, right. and he's um, ruining relationships with people around the world. I mean. Somebody if they didn't hate us before, they certainly do now. <laughs> I, I read a comment on Reddit that summed it up very, very well. And, and i just like to say, I have friends that, that supported Trump, so I, My whole I family does. Same. I have uh, to yeah. go, go back and forth. They're, they're people that I love and respect, and I completely understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, but somebody said that uh, it's like, imagine you have this friend, and you respect him, and, he, and he's a good guy and all this, and then one day he comes in, and he just takes a big dump in your living room, right on the floor, and... He's and he cleans himself up and he apologizes and even if he goes back to the way he was before and never screws up again, you will never forget when he came into your living room and did that. So and and I, somebody said that's how the rest of the world is going to feel about America now. Yeah. They will never forget that. that I we have a lot of I have a lot of friends around the world. I've traveled around the world and I know a lot of people and. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in the Facebook world and a lot of people that don't care what other people think about us. They only care about what they think about us. Um, we are most definitely the lacking, laughing stock of the entire rest of the world. Mm-hmm. We definitely have a bozo in the White House, and everybody knows it except for those 30% of the people who can't see it. Yeah. And, you know, I love my family dearly, but they're they're we're we're definitely not on the same page well i can see and that's what's so sad about it is like i can see why somebody would be angry and i can see why if if i'm coming from where they're Mm -hmm. where they're coming from i could see why they look at this guy and say oh this is the guy that i've that he's gonna help me you know and it's like it's like that's not how it works man i'm I'm Mm -hmm. sorry but Mm -hmm. but it it it's uh he he's never He's never thought about anybody, but I mean, he could accomplish so much more if he literally, and it's, he doesn't get it because he's a man child, but if he just shut the fuck up and didn't say anything and just did and had actions, actions always speak way louder than words. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Yeah. Don't tell me you're going to do it. Just if you're, do it. If you're it. such a great businessman, and that's why people voted for you and just wanted you as it. president, just fucking do it. Yeah, how come you have to tell us? Don't how talk. Great you are? Just shut up. You're part of it. me was like, when he got in, I was like, okay, well, I, obviously this is. I mean, you know, 
there was a moment there on election night where I texted my one of my one of my best friends who's a major Trump supporter. I was like, please help me feel better about this because I right. Tell me something. Out. Yeah. And uh, and so it, as much when that happened, I was like, okay, you know. Maybe this will. We'll see how this goes, yeah. right? You know, you, you never know. Maybe we. I'd I'd love to be wrong, right? I'd love to be wrong about how I think this is going to go. And here we are. That if you guys uh, are you guys going to buy the copy of a uh, Fire and Fury when it comes out? I think it came out yesterday. It's already right? out. It's been out I for a couple of days yeah. now. It's you can't buy it in bookstores. It's sold out. Oh really? Well, I only heard about it. I, didn't I completely really buy the idea that he didn't want it, that he never thought he was going to win. Of course. Never thought he'd have a chance. Absolutely. I think I, for, I read even like a year ago, it was before he won, that he thought he was going to be out in October of 2015. Like he'd get in, he'd make some noise, he'd increase visibility on his brand, and then that would be it. And what, uh, yeah. like, the, the, I don't know if you guys watch South Park. Yes. But that whole plot line with Garrison. I know. Becoming, it was so unintentionally brilliant because it was the exact same thing. It happened exactly before. He never thought it would actually go anywhere. And those episodes where he's sitting there and he's going like, and he's telling people, I am shitting my pants at the thought of having to deal with this. Don't fucking do it. And I I totally could could see Mm -hmm. Trump, that going through Trump's head. If you see the pictures of him on election night when he realized he won, he does not look happy at all. (laughs) He's sitting there like, yeah, looks like he, he saw a ghost. Yeah. Um, so I completely buy the idea but, that he, but it, but his ego wouldn't allow him. That to was back the thing. Out. That's the thing. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. He had to let other people do it for his, him. His ego. Give him a reason needs to have his ego fueled at every moment of every day. And you know what that is? The sad thing is, I sort of have some empathy for him because I think that's a classic example of somebody who's really never ever been loved. Like yeah. never yeah. been loved. Like. Like nobody truly. has ever truly said to him with all the sincerity in the world, I really love you. I don't think anybody's ever, ever, I don't think he's ever felt one ounce of no. genuine love from anybody ever in his life. His poor and, wife hates him. I, poor thing. Every picture of them <laughs> together is like, oh. Well, we all remember that hand slap. I from know. The, I don't know it was, was that yeah, in Europe yeah, or was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. They were getting I, off a plane. Remember. He went to grab her hand and she smacked it away. Bye. Uh, Bye, Felicia. But that's you know that's that, that's sad that that somebody mm-hmm. has has been uh, mentally brutalized that intensely that they have to seek um, that attention every moment of every day. Yeah, they have to feel validated every moment of every day, and that's and that right there shows that he is not mentally fit to run anything. He has not had a successful business, and I'll argue, I'll argue that till the end of the world. There's Many, many failures, mm-hmm. many failures. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with failure, but the problem is, is that he would He's never admit it. He's bragging upon mm-hmm. it as being a successful yeah. person, but... Well, that's just that's just in his DNA. That's just who he is. That's what that, he's yeah. be, Because of the way he was raised, yeah. you, you never admit that you're wrong. You never no. admit that you, you've failed. Right. Because that's weakness. You can never show weakness ever, uh, even if it, you know, even when it becomes apparent. You know, uh, I think that what's going to happen with him is uh, if he if he makes it to, to 2020. He's going to have a heart attack. Exactly. He is a 71-year-old a- dude with a terrible diet. I remember uh, it might have been George W. Bush who said this. He said, you have to exercise in this job or it will you will just break down. You'll just you've seen, I'm sure you've seen all the pictures of a president 
on the day he's elected and the day he yeah. leaves office. Yeah. Oh, it aged the yeah. shit out of him. Four yeah. years, four years looks like 12, sometimes 20. Yeah. yeah. You can look at any president, any one of them. Yeah. After four years, they look after eight years. Yeah, the Obama shit. eight years. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. But Obama actually, besides just being gray, actually came out looking physically fit mm-hmm. as he went in, as he went out. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. you could see the wear and tear, so to speak, but uh, but compared to... If you take the job serious, it's not an easy job, mm-hmm. you know? And and I laugh. People say, oh, well, you know, um, Trump's only taking a dollar a year out of his salary or some stupid... Cri-. I go, yeah, but the amount of money that he's raping the American public yeah. every day is mm-hmm. astronomical. Yeah. Of course he can work for free. His little, what is it? What does a president get? 250? Uh, it's a 400 grand. Is a it year. 400? Yeah. So his little measly 400 is like chump change. Yeah. For the millions and billions he's ripping off just, just with his, his Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. I, I remember a uh, little Wayne uh, saying once uh, on some interview, he's, he was talking about uh, Katrina. He was talking about Katrina and he lost a house worth 300 grand. And he was like, he's like, man, I got $300,000 change on me right now. And yeah, that, that, that kind of money is crazy to people like us. Like that yeah. would change our lives, but to them it's changed. It's that is nothing. just, it's just changed. You know? Yeah. Which is so, insanity. So, um, so yeah, you're absolutely right on that. That, that is, uh, I mean, so much, so much we could go on to. And, and you know, know, you said that if you care about the job, it's it's not an easy job. Even he has said some kind of insightful things about it. I don't think he that I, he really uh, expected. Obviously, I don't think he expected to win, as I already mentioned. Yeah. But I think that he there he said something in May where he he was talking about um, how in this job, like you need to have heart for it. Like you can't if you don't have heart, you, this job isn't for you. And I thought that's actually really insightful coming from him because I don't think that he realized that before he went in it. Everything yeah. about him is very calculating and very I mean he's not very good at it but it's it's uh it's I think in his mind he's he's it's very calculating and very He's very much a control freak and you can't be a control freak and run a country. You have to have your you have to have your people's in place. Yeah. You can't you 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 got to say you know what handle this if there's a problem come back and let me know otherwise I don't really want to know. And also yeah, how to compromise yeah. a bit as well. You're not going to get everything your way and then you can't just throw a tantrum well, and say happens. I have a nuclear button on my desk. Like that's not how this works. Yeah. You have yeah. to compromise with people. I, that's that's a good point. It's when you when you're when you're mentally immature and you can't handle um uh things in pressure like that. It's like a it's like a schoolyard goes to a schoolyard thing. Yeah. You know, you know my my bat's bigger than yours. No, mine's bigger than yours. Right. My, my dad's tougher than yours. No, my dad's tougher than yours. You know, and and that's kind of the game that's played. Oh, I I've got a nuclear button. Well, mine's bigger than yours, and mine works. Right. Nana, like, nana, nana, nana. It's like, come on, somebody please smack it, make it stop. Well, I <laughs> smack do, it. <laughs> I do think that some of that is just him triggering people because he knows it'll get attention and he knows that it'll. And I don't think he he considers. I mean, maybe if he if he does consider the consequences, maybe he just thinks, ah, it won't affect care. me. Yeah, he doesn't care about any. No, it won't affect him. No, you know, it's just like everybody said that he didn't make fun of the of the um, reporter when he went. Eh, 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 eh. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, that was like, like really. That's just can't be any more obvious that you were making fun of somebody that was handicapped. Yeah, and you can get away with that. 
you can get away with that. He can do anything and still have voters. That's just how it is. Well, it's 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 going to be interesting because if Oprah runs against him in, in 2020 oh, and that becomes Please. the election, it's going to be like, okay, Please. you know. More of a will, circus than it was this last yeah, year. Yeah, it will just be. Which uh, is crazy. It will just be. Uh, like don't, it, don't mind, we don't need two those. billionaire entertainers, and and you know, yeah, one has obviously come from a completely different place than the other, and yeah. they're both they couldn't be more different, right? Um, it's almost like mirror opposites, but at the I same time, it's that. like I, I, it'll make me long for the days of just this poly sci major, you know, professor who just comes in and turns out to be, you know, just this boring manager and is a decent person who's been married for thirty years, right? And doesn't, you know, and the sad thing is that that could set race relations back even another hundred years because anybody that's, you know, racist and is a Trump supporter, um, having to deal with a black, woman. having to deal with a black woman being president will really just, how dare she? Yeah. yeah. That'll just really push be black the and a woman. Yeah. That'll just really push people over the edge and I'll love it. Every second of it. And you know, <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a, a good, um, you know, revolution is what we need in the end. I don't know. Or and who or, doesn't trust Oprah? Or, no. or who doesn't trust that? Or bitch? if not, maybe a maybe I a do. good a good plague to thin out the herd or something. <laughs> we we got a, a long way plague. to go. That's we for do. damn sure. I think we we got Holy a long shit. way to go before uh, before things. Why why do I not out? notice it being this bad when I was a kid? I don't think because I mean, well, with all due respect, I don't think it it was this bad. I, I mean, mean, even Reagan. You know, I mean. <sighs> Well, that was the beginning of this. That was like the beginning of this cycle, you know. Reagan Tricky was Dick the, was didn't even seem so bad nowadays. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, he was. I'm he, not a criminal. He was. He know? put in uh, Medicare, didn't he? Or what did he do? He, he did. He he was basically a socialist compared to, right. to Republicans nowadays. I have no idea. Um, I literally don't know anything about politics before I was born. The EPA. That's what he did. He was the <laughs> one who started the EPA. Nixon started the EPA. Oh, really? Um, and uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yay, Dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. And now, uh, and now they're you know that may not be around in another you know eight years of uh, depending on how things go. Right. Yeah, Trump's trying to eliminate the APA, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He well, he put people all of his cabinet uh, uh, positions were filled by people that basically have gone on the record saying, "I hate this institution and I want it. I don't want it to exist." So I mean, hey, at least they're consistent, right? You know, that's what they said they were going to do. They want to limit government. Oh, oh, oh so. I heard a good one. Um, so, so Trump is saying that. Um, they're going to loosen all the restrictions on drilling for oil. So Michael Moore, I love Michael Moore. He says, that's good. We're going to put a oil rig right outside of Mar-a-Lago. And we're, it's free, right? We could just drill anywhere. That's true. So we're going yeah. to put one right out there and uh, see how you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, this is officially my longest show ever. So <laughs> Sorry. Uh, th- th- thanks for thanks for no, no. This is awesome. I asked Caitlin. I was like, okay, we got right. we got to play this out a little bit. So that's cool with um, us. Well, so thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks for this having us. Yes. Great. Thank you. Um, great conversation. Uh, it's a great way to start the new year. Um, I will be back next week, next Wednesday, uh, with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, an old drummer of mine, and uh, we will uh, we will talk to you then. 